Die Kaiju Network podcast, where we have a very healthy obsession with kaiju. I am your co-host, Kenton. With me is your other co-host. Jason, how's it going, everyone? So for anyone who missed our social media uh, postings and you see that graphic kind of down in that part of your screen, you're going, Terra Beneath the Sea. I thought you were going to do six Ultra Brothers versus the Monster Army. Well, uh, we were going to do that. (laughs) We were, yes. Uh, but I had posted, uh, we found two sources that had that film. Sadly, neither one had a version of the film that had English subs. So uh, I did an emergency, a couple phone calls to Jason while he was in the middle of working. I got him fired. Um, <laughs> that's not true. No. But um, <laughs> um, I'm kind of like, okay, well, there's no version, uh, you know, of this film with English subs. What, you know, do you have any ideas as far as what you want to do? Uh, he basically said, well, figure it out and let me know. And I said, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I took I actually about, said, like, go, go fuck yourself. No. Yeah. Really. <laughs> and so it took me about 10 minutes and I said, you know, Terror Beneath the Sea is one that I, every once in a while, while over the last two, two and a half years, I've been trying to get Jason uh, to do either as far as a commentary or as a um, as a discussion. So I found a version of it on YouTube, and I said, all right, this douchebag can actually watch it. He put me in charge. He can go screw himself now if he doesn't want to do it because he put me in charge. And I said, let's do Terror Beneath the Sea. End of discussion. And then <laughs> I dropped the mic and I walked out to this is the story of a hurricane. So, <laughs> so we are no, doing. That's true. <laughs> we are doing 1966's Terror Beneath the Sea, starring Sonny Chiba and Peggy Neal, along with a host of other actors, a couple of which I've seen in other either movies or TV shows. In fact, one of the henchmen in this film uh, plays Fangar. And Johnny Sacco and the Flying Robot. So, um, yeah, here we are. This is our first discussion, I think, since what was it, Gilgameth? What was the last one I think yeah. we did? No, uh, it was the the whole Ultra Seven uh, viewing that we did. Oh. The three parter. <laughs> There's a reason why. He's <laughs> <laughs> um, already forgotten about it. Oh, by the way, Jason, I totally forgot about this. Uh, this doesn't pertain to anything about this podcast, but we're live, so what the hell? Don't forget your lanyard when you uh, do your packing for G-Fest. <laughs> I'll, I'll try not to, but can't guarantee it anything. So, But um, we use that for name tag holders when we go to G-Fest. Um, I just put on my shirt. Nice so. kaiju shirt. Kaiju kaiju shirts um so anyways before we proceed any further jason any housekeeping uh that needs to be done here yeah i just want to mention that if you're watching us on youtube uh if you see that uh, red subscribe button down below this uh, video make sure to hit that and uh, subscribe to our channel and as well as uh hit that notification bell icon so you won't uh miss anything as far as when we're gonna go live and as well as uh smash that like button down below so you uh good. so we can get uh at least try to get some recommendations on uh youtube try to get it uh up there as well and uh you not only we're on youtube we're also on uh, twitch as well uh streaming there and uh, we've got uh, audio versions of our podcasts over at uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and as well as uh, TuneIn. And you can watch and listen to both the video and audio uh, versions of our episodes 
at our own website at daikajunetwork.com. And you can also view us live there as well. By the way, I just want to say thank you to people who have been <clears throat> subscribing to our YouTube channel. I have noticed over yeah, the Yeah, we're last almost 200 months, subscribers. <laughs> I, I am noticing uh, over the last couple months that our subscription, it hasn't been growing like substantially, but it's been it's been trickling upwards, uh, you know, over the last couple months, at least that I've noticed. So we are one away from 200. Maybe we should have a contest. Whoever is the first 200, if you're going to G-Fest, we will pay for your hotel room. <laughs> No, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, speaking of uh, G-Fest, uh, in a couple of weeks, we will be doing a kind of our annual preview of uh, the event. What was uh, an annual preview? <laughs> yeah, what was the annual preview? Well, when it was going, when we've been going every year, and since we've been sort of starting uh, the podcast, we've been kind of doing it every year. So uh, it's going to be kind of our annual preview, and I think it's going to be our last one because for me, uh, it will be kind of the last event for me to go to for God knows how long. So. <laughs> So. I may or may not go in subsequent years. This is going to be the first year in which I'm taking my son. Um, I, he's seven. I, like I told Jason off air, I said I still think he's a tad young to like really appreciate nearly every aspect of the convention. But like we were saying, I think his favorite thing is going to be the dealer's room. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> um, you know, we'll just kind of see how things go. May or may not uh, go next year. It's going to suck without having Jason there because it's uh, really in the past like the only time we got together for a number of of years because we live far enough apart that you know it's not like we can just hop in a car whenever and like we, punch we, each other we did nuts. we did do so. that uh <laughs> when you when you used to live here in iowa we did that for the yeah. first two years yeah i mean damn it just it feels like so long ago we did one of those preview shows and like you brought it up and i immediately was like oh yeah we used to do <laughs> and i know we used to uh, do so much yeah and i know we've done them a couple well a couple times over at your place a week before yeah well, but, we're, yeah. I guess it sounds like we're doing it again because yep. you told you told us a week ago that you're going. Hey, like the week before we leave, I'm coming to your house. I'm like, there we go. Oh, so. well, I told you like a few or so months ago. I was planning. I <laughs> so. didn't remember. I was like I said, I was going to ask you, and I kept forgetting to ask. So, oh well, I, well I've had now he knows school and all that. So. <laughs> You know, and all this other crap that's been going on. It's been he's a rough year for me. He's becoming an old fart. That's what it is. So. I got COVID in the first part of the year, and I'm not joking. I really do think it's screwed with my brain in some ways. I'm not kidding when I say that. So, you know, <laughs> fuck COVID, by the way. Um, so anyway, are we kind of ready to dive more into terror beneath the sea? Um. Yeah, was it uh, one thing I want to mention before before we do that? Uh, I just saw a uh, an article the other day that um, was it both uh, Ultraman, Neos, and Cosmos is going to be available on uh, DVD here on the twentieth of September. So, so yeah, they should it should be available for pre order because I saw this article from. Uh, 
via Kaiju Battle. And from what I saw in that article, there were a couple links that went uh, to these. So if you haven't, uh, if any of you haven't noticed that uh, these two Ultraman shows are already going to be coming out here in the, the next few months, it should be available for uh, pre-order at least. So if you want to get those uh, pre-ordered today, I would say do so right now. Uh, well... Yeah, they're not actually available yet um, for pre-order. So, gotcha. So hold your horses there. So yeah, if it's coming out in September, this is what June probably be available for pre-order starting next month. Probably about the time G Fest starts. I'm gonna say like maybe mid-July. Probably. Um, so, gosh, you know, I, I love having all this stuff from Milk Creek, and everybody knows my bitching as far as like how I don't like and the coloring speaking, of the subtitles that. And speaking done. of uh, Milk Creek, I think they're going to be doing some sort of a giveaway on Ultraman Day, from from what I saw, because uh, I I think I saw this via their posting on Facebook. Um, how about like? an automatic subscription to get the Blu-ray slash DVD versions of every Ultraman thing that you're doing because what I was about to say before you interrupted me, you bastard, was that... <laughs> well, um, you always interrupt been, me, so... <laughs> it's been very difficult to keep up with some of this stuff. Like, every once in a while, um, if I don't see something on Facebook from some people, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Like, I haven't heard anything about Ultraman that I'm trying to search things up. But yeah, like, man, there's just so much Ultraman <laughs> stuff... Um, you know, to try to keep track of, like, I think this Ultraman Mabius collection that I got right up here, I think was the most recent one that they... Yeah, um, that, that just came out here. And then before that, it was Ultra 7X, and then I think that was about the time we were wrapping up our Ultra 7, and I, both of us are kind of like, uh, really? <laughs> so so here's, so here's the posting from Mill Creek Entertainment via their Facebook page. Ultraman Day is coming, and we can't wait to celebrate with you with all uh, celebrate with you all with ten days of deals and giveaways starting Friday, July first. Stay tuned to this account to learn how you can get in a, on all the ultra spectacular events. So, is that actually the next um, collection to come out, or is there another collection that's coming out before that? That's that's as far as I uh seen was uh both neos and cosmos uh coming soon let me the, check the here. only one besides that was the mabius one that just came out ultraman milk this episode brought to you by research <laughs> <laughs> okay the, i think this was the page i typically go to to find releases I don't need the history. Okay. Yeah, because I'm on Mill Creek's website. The website isn't always okay. Okay, yeah. Mabius and stuff was the most recent from at May 24th. And then planned, yeah, Ultraman Kids 3000 uh, for June 28th. In fact, I may have even. And then there's Ultraman Zerth, July 26th. Okay. And then you're talking about Neos on September 20th, Ultraman Cosmos and all that, also the 20th. 
So Zerth is supposed to come, according to this anyways. Uh, let me check. I think I was Ultraman 3000, Ultraman Kids uh, 3000, Ultraman Kids 3000. I can't remember if I looked this up. Oh, it must not be available for pre uh, yeah I, I guess even that is not available for pre-order yet and that's supposed to be coming out wait a minute that's supposed to be coming out here like what the fuck like what is going on here like, <laughs> by the way I, by the way i kind of like how uh, mill creek named the whole ultra series called they called it the ultraverse that's pretty cool yeah i just went to their wait a minute so no Ultraman kids? Did that thing maybe get postponed or something? Because I'm not even seeing it on their website. Yeah, I haven't seen anything that on that. Yeah, because in three days, that's a, according to that wiki site, it's supposed to be released. I probably wouldn't trust much of wiki. Uh, oh well. <laughs> but <laughs> anyways, I that's kind of all I wanted to cover. <laughs> on the neos and cosmos and we just kind of ventured a little bit too a little bit more that's than what I happens thought. on this so. podcast that's what happens on this podcast so anyways we are diving now into 1966's terror beneath the sea like i said starring sunny chiba and peggy neal i've got a synopsis of the film here so here we go let me scroll down so i get everything in one fell swoop okay when a submarine missile test goes awry, journalists Jenny Gleason and Ken Abe go investigating around a small sliver of land where the test took place. As they dive, Jenny catches a glimpse of a humanoid fisherman. When Lieutenant Colonel Brown doesn't believe Jenny saw a creature, she and Ken go back to the spot where she saw the creature. But they're kidnapped and taken to an underwater base 3,000 feet below the surface of the ocean. There they're greeted by the evil Dr. Moore, her who turns people into the creatures, which he calls water cyborgs. Why, I don't know, because there's no mechanical parts. Whatever, these people are goofy as hell anyway. He shows Ken and Jenny the process of turning a person into an obedient water cyborg. Dr. Moore even has several of his water cyborgs kidnap Professor Howard for reasons. By the way, Professor Howard is played by Andrew Hughes, who you've definitely seen in other films. He was in Golden Bat, if you've seen that. Uh, he's also uh, the one uh, – He's kind of that older gentleman English who always plays the science in, scientist. In, uh, Destroy All Monsters. Uh, the, the line I always remember him for for whatever funny reason in Destroy All Monsters is after Rodan attacks Moscow. Uh, he's the guy who goes, he's in Moscow. <laughs> okay. With the professor's kidnapping, Brown goes out looking for the three missing people. Meanwhile, Moore wants to change Ken and Jenny into water cyborgs. He partially succeeds until Brown launches a missile at one section of Moore's underwater base. The explosion knocked out the supersonic instruments used to control the water cyborgs. As a result, the water cyborgs go on a killing spree, shooting, clawing, and strangling anyone in their path. And all the guns look like the same guns James Bond used in all F silencers. Pew, 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 pew. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> Kenny, Jenny, and – not Kenny. Ken, Jenny, and Professor Howard. Well, it is Kenny, out, so. In a way, I guess. Battling several water cyborgs and ultimately confronting more as he attempts to flee in an escape capsule. 
Our three heroes manage to get into the capsule and flee, leaving Moore at his base to die in the chain reaction explosion from Brown's missile. Later, Brown notices water cyborg-like footprints on the beach. He follows the footprints and realizes it's the flipper marks left by Ken and Jenny as they head out to the ocean for another dive, and the movie comes to a close. So this is a movie that is very wacky. It is produced by Toei, the same uh, studio that did Golden Bad. In fact, Golden Bad, I think, was produced one year earlier, if I remember, or that it was earlier in 66. I let already me, forgot. Let me the look up. Year. Research time. <laughs> Research. We need to have a jingle for that. Golden um, Bad cigarette? <laughs> I smoke. Um, But um, there really isn't a whole lot to this movie. I mean, my um, synopsis of the film here was actually a bit longer than I initially thought it would be. I thought it was only going to be just a few sentences. So, so Uh, golden, golden, golden bat did come out uh, the same year, December twenty first. When was this? uh, Uh, July first. So this one came out before Golden Dad. And yet this one was in color. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. Uh, but um, it's a very simple movie. I mean, it, to me, this film reminds me of the type of films like A King Kong Escapes. That it's not only made for a general audience, but maybe even to a certain extent a slightly younger audience perhaps even though there's some interesting violence sequences in this but, film but it also um, kind of reminded me a, a bit like golden bat in a way just with a different circumstance as i mentioned to you earlier and i know that you've uh also mentioned that it's sort it kind of uh reminded you yeah, a little bit of uh some ways a house on the uh, the ultraman shows sort of played and how it was kind of uh, stylized or kind of set up in a way. Yeah, I mean, it in terms of just how it's shot, um, how the sets look, how the story is, is structured and, and how the story itself is written, it does remind me an awful lot of those original Ultraman uh, episodes. And I'm talking about the original 65 show. Um, it just reminds me of that because, look, let's face it, some of the, the kaiju suits and, and sets uh, weren't always the highest quality in the original Ultraman, which I think adds some of the charm to that series. In fact, I probably said that many times when we covered that series an odd number of years back. Mm-hmm. And I think the same is true here. The water cyborg suits look exactly like that suits they are not the highest quality they're still pretty cool i mean the the fact that they uh detailed like scale type appendages not appendages but scale type skin on these suits is still really cool but they are a two-piece in a number of um areas but then it's so funny because the paint job when you look closely at some of the scenes the paint job isn't all that great like there's some spots where the paint's wearing off and some of the some of the suits are torn like at the knee there was one where towards the end when the water sideboards are just going awry there's one when you look there's a rip here on the actor and you see the actor's skin like it's they're so cheap and goofy that I love and then, it. <laughs> and then uh, as well as the close-ups of when they kind of do the the transition, the 
uh, the, the stop motion transitioning of uh, when they transition uh, one person from a human being into one of these water cyborgs. Do we even get a reason as far as why this Dr. Moore is making people into water cyborgs? I don't think we're ever given a, a reason, but my guess yeah, is always yeah, he did. World Domin- oh, he did? Yeah, he did mention it. I think he just uh, didn't quite catch it. He just kind of mentioned trying to protect it, trying to have – he built these uh, – well, he transitioned these people into water cyborgs to kind of help protect uh, – and help build the civilization of what this uh, mad scientist was trying to achieve in that uh, water base station. Such a flimsy and stupid reason, but at the same time, <laughs> I, I love it. Look, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm just going to say this right now, and I know we're terrible about this on this podcast because by and large, we try to, you know, uh, you know, hold our cards to the vest and kind of maybe try to keep you in suspense as far as what we think about a movie or a show, but um, we're pretty bad at that, but I guess that's <laughs> fine. Yeah. I like this movie an awful lot. And like I said, this reminded me an awful lot of the uh, first Ultraman series. I love that first Ultraman series. It's one of my all-time favorite TV series. Um, I love Golden Bat. Obviously, like I said, it, Golden Bat and, and this movie were both made by Toei. And I love the cheesiness of both films. Um, you know, if I had watched this movie, let's say maybe 15 years ago, I would have been like, eh, like there are aspects of it I like, but it's too stupid. <laughs> and after I kind of got to a point in my life where not only was I older, but after experiencing uh, college life and reality and the prospects of you know graduating and getting out into the world and all that, I got to a point where I'm like, you know, I miss the old times where I could just sit down, have fun, and not take things so seriously and just watch and enjoy stuff for the simple sake of entertainment. And when I got reacquainted with my kaiju f- fan back in 2012, uh, technically late 2011, uh, I, I really came to appreciate the genre even more. And that's not to say I never did appreciate I did when I was a kid. You know, when you're a kid, it's like, you know, oh, like dinosaurs and creatures fighting and explosions and shit. Um, but then as I got older, you know, when I became a teenager and then in my early 20s, you get preoccupied with jobs, you get preoccupied with your with your college, you get preoccupied with trying to get yourself ready to graduate and enter the workforce. You get preoccupied with... Um, you know, women, uh, <laughs> in my case anyways. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, you kind of just are stuck in real world and that's fine up to a point. But for me, after a while, it was like, I just want to enjoy stuff again in that childlike manner where it's like, and I know for whatever reason, this phrase that I'm about to bring up has a bad connotation for a lot of people and I don't know why because some people think this is not a good reason to enjoy a movie but I think it is so if you're one of those people grow up um, <laughs> it's I like a lot of movies 
that you just turn off your brain and you just take it for what it is. Okay. And like Jason and I, we were already talking about like, yeah, there's some goofy shit in this movie that really makes no sense. But as I also said, I love it. Like, or it's, like it's so Hanuman. Man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hanuman, I actually didn't like. There were moments of that movie I liked, but by and large, it was bad. Um, <laughs> Terra Beneath the Sea is so much better than that movie. What the Japanese one looks like, I don't know, and I don't know if we'll ever know. I, I would like to watch it with English subs, but that's for another time. Maybe maybe one of the vendors will probably have it over at G-Fest. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? But um, I like this movie. It's so bad in many respects, but you can tell the movie doesn't take itself uber seriously, that it knows what it is, and it goes with it. You have this Lieutenant Colonel Brown played by an American dude, and (laughs) again, like we've seen in so many of these Japanese sci-fi films, a lot of these English-American actors tend to just be awful, and I love it. <laughs> and even he's dubbed in the English version of this film. Why am I not uh, surprised? Andrew Hughes, it was hard for me to figure out whether or not he was dubbed. I'm not. Part of me thought, maybe not, because when he spoke, it seemed like nothing was off in terms of timing. So I don't know if he was dubbed for this, but I know he was dubbed in movies like Destroy All Monsters and what have you. So, I'm not sure if Peggy Neal was Peggy too. was dubbed here, yes. Okay. Um, it's been a while since I've seen X from Outer Space, um, so I don't know if she was dubbed. She may have been dubbed in the English version of that one, too, I think. Um, I'll have to rewatch that one. <laughs> to me, um, it just feels weird when you try to dub someone that's speaking in your own language. To me, that's just sort of dumb, and it's just sort of... Extra unnecessary work. I have a theory about that, but before I dive into that, I want to ask you a question. Have you seen the uh, actual Japanese version of King Kong vs. Godzilla? I think I might have several years ago when I was at your place. Do you or, or when you brought or when you brought uh, the DVD to you uh, one year on the G Fest and we watched it okay. on your laptop? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the submarine Seahawks scene of the captain? It's been some years ago, so I per, maybe. He was dubbed in the English version. <laughs> and here's my theory. First of all, I didn't know he was dubbed until I saw the Japanese version because they did one hell of a job with his dub being on, on the English dub of that film. The real actor, his real voice is a higher pitch. <laughs> and the dub, if you remember the, the universal one, he had this deeper t- kind of more manly man voice. And that's where my theory comes in is that I think if the men have higher pitched voices, they dub them because they want – we're American. <laughs> like, oh, we're, we're, we're muscular. We're big and bad, which is dumb shit. Um and then I think for the women, it's somewhat similar in that if we don't think you come off maybe as sexy enough or what have you, we'll dub you too. Because they dug Linda Miller in King Kong Escapes. She even said that. And I mean it's easy too when you watch the English version of that movie. It's clearly she was dubbed. Um, and I think that's the reason why. It's very 
it's about portraying this image of manly, virulent men and very sexy, you know, suave women. Um, and I think that's the reason why. So it's dumb. Yeah, I agree. It's it's dumber than a bag of hammers, but I think that's, <laughs> you know, I've been talking too much. Why don't you? Uh... Um, let's see. Uh where where to begin? Oh, as far as um, the acting portion, um, I think a majority of uh, the people in this uh, movie, even some of the um, the extras in here, I think they did a pretty good job uh, with the acting portion. But uh, when it comes, I think when it comes to uh, Peggy Neal, it feels like she, to me. Uh, in my opinion, I think she just wasn't quite in it as much, and it just, or maybe she was going a little bit too overboard uh, with some of uh, the acting portion, um, and just sort of kind of took me out of the the viewing experience a little bit. So I think she should have probably sort of toned it down a little bit, and maybe just try to make it. Uh, make things a little bit more believable like uh like uh the villain uh andrew hughes and sony chiba did because they kind of made things feel and look believable with their acting i think too part of the problem um i i i will agree with you up to a small point i don't think no no Mm mm-mm I don't think the acting across the board was nearly as good as you think it was. Um, I think it's all over the place. I think it's it goes anywhere from having at best um, good, like with Sonny Chiba, and, and even then a couple moments of his are kind of funny and goofy. But then, but then the but, other thing too is that some of the uh, the military or the Navy guys there, they just. Uh, so their acting was a bit so-so. Well, yeah, anyway. and here's the thing. Like, we just talked about how all these people, the English actors included, were all dubbed, even. And I think when it comes to it, – it's interesting because we talk about acting in an English dub movie, and we talk about the Japanese actors while they're dubbed, and we're like, oh, yeah, it's either good or bad. But then when it comes to these English actors – that are also strangely dubbed in a movie like this, I think it throws off just exactly where their acting fits because when you have someone else dubbing you, I think that can sort of affect how you view the performance, at least with the English actors because we're English-speaking people. Like – for quite a while, even though I knew Linda Miller, even back when I first saw the movie, was dubbed in King Kong Escapes, to me it made her acting look awful in that movie. Kong, King Kong. And I was just like, oh my god, this is awful. But then as I got older and I just kind of started thinking about it more, I'm like, that's probably a little unfair to her because um, the dubbing, I think could kind of mess that up for people like us who speak the same language and know that the same actor actress 
also speaks the same language, which is kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I, I will even say this. Look, and and I understand Peggy Neal died here not too long ago, and you know, but I still feel like it's important for us to be honest in terms of our perception of things. Um, yeah, I mean, Peggy Neal. Um, uh, at best, she was fine. I think part of the problem too is the fact that maybe the director wasn't all that great. Although the uh, director was the same guy who also directed the movie. Um, I don't think I actually have a picture of it here. Uh, sadly, I don't. At least nothing that's really. Well, you can just show up. the package there. Um, it, it, this is a pack. He he directed the movie called Goke the Body Snatcher from Hell. It's kind of a creepy movie. It, kind of a decent movie too i would uh and by the way this is a collection called when horror came to show chiku it's the same um studio that put it towards the center i can't can't tell because (laughs) my preview window is wider than the actual deal um it's the same studio that did the extra matter space uh which is on here i already talked about goke being on here there's also a movie called the living skeleton which very creepy movie. I, I really like it. And then there's a movie called Genocide uh, about a swarm of ferocious bugs carrying an H-bomb. Goofier than shit. Boring in many ways as well. So that one you can skip. But um, <laughs> um, this the, the director here, I think and again, I don't know all the information behind the production of this movie in terms of like budget and, and like Filming time, which I would assume is at, was probably pretty short. Um, I think maybe part of the problem with some of these actors too is the director, because sometimes, as we've seen even in Hollywood productions, you can have by and large good, if not great, actors turn out bad performances because they have a director that just either doesn't care or isn't all that good, etc. Well, and, so. and also it could be you know the writing of the story. Yeah, but even then, good to great actors, they either can add certain dialogue or add nuances to their performance to really give it more oomph. And again, it's still ultimately up to the director because we've all heard stories where uh, actors will sometimes butt heads with the director over how a character in general is portrayed or how a certain scene should be done, etc. So, um, you know, I understand Japanese filmmaking. Is a lot different, especially during this time. Um, it's just a lot different than what it was and is here in the States. And, um, you know, I've seen The X from Outer Space two or three times. Uh, again, I like Peggy Neal, but again, like even then in that movie, her performance wasn't all that great, although she disappears for a large chunk of that movie too. Um, but yeah, I think the acting is kind of all over the place. The dubbing, I think, in terms of the the American actors, kind of throws things off for us a little bit. Um, but I, I think Sonny Chiba, by and large, is probably the best. Uh, I would say Andrew Hughes probably next, and then it's just kind of you know pick your next person after that in my opinion so uh, I think it's all over the place uh, mostly cheesy hammy performances in my opinion but um, again I think that's the charm uh, there are going to be some people who look at a movie like this and say it's just terrible like what a waste of time why would you enjoy that and it's like 
Well, first and foremost, I'm a huge lover of science fiction and that sort of thing. So that tickles my fancy here in one regard. But on top of that, too, it's like the thing that I think a lot of people forget, and I see it an awful lot in today's TV shows and and movies and stuff, anything new that's come out or is coming out, is that you have to understand what you're getting yourself into. When I watch a movie called Terror Beneath the Sea and I read the description of the movie, I'm like, okay, this is not Oscar material, but damn it, this still sounds like it could be fun. And yeah, there's still the potential of it being bad. I don't love every movie that I've ever seen. you know, but I usually give everything a chance. I try to meet the movie or the series on its level, which, like with Ultra 7, when we covered that at the beginning of the year, I believe in my opinion, I gave it a fair shot because there were certainly episodes that I enjoyed, a lot of it I didn't like. And I tried to. Uh, meet that series on its own level even though i had certain expectations i'm like okay that's not what we're getting here so i'm gonna just try and go with it what does this series want me to think of it in terms of of its approach to a plot etc and most of the time i didn't think the series lived up to sort of the the mission it wanted me to follow along um this movie told me this thing is going to be goofier than shit it was it's not the highest quality in terms of production but it's damn fun for about an hour and a half and yeah i met it on its level and i go yeah certain things are bad some of the costuming is bad some of the acting is terrible some of the dubbing makes some of these people act and look stupid but my god is it fun i mean it's just like i'm having fun with this i'm having fun with it because it's terrible and i'm having fun with it because this movie knows what it is and it's not trying to take itself uberly seriously and it's not trying to do anything else it's just like we know what we are and yeah try to meet us on that level so mm-hmm. yeah and uh, yeah with some of the things too with this film um probably the one thing that i think that they could have uh maybe reduced the the run time or could have taken out was the part of uh maybe cut down the transitioning part from human to the water cyborgs a bit because it sort of sort of reminded me of that whole um famous submarine chase in uh, latitude zero oh um, i had forgotten about that <laughs> that's when we still have to cover one of these times too <laughs> well i know we discussed about it but i don't think we've done the commentary thing that's on true that. yeah I but don't think we've done um, the but anyways like that transitioning part in this film sort of reminded me that really long submarine chase from latitude zero where it just seemed like it just sort of took forever and i think that they should have shortened that up uh quite a bit because it seems like it ran for maybe about five minutes that's how it felt to me (laughs) in a ways like maybe a a decent 
uh, portion of the film the w- the way it felt to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I agree that the transition scene took – it went longer than it needed to. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's just one of those things where they thought maybe they – thought the audience would find it interesting or maybe they were trying to meet a certain runtime and thought well this is one area we could extend the film a little bit uh but yeah it, it was one of those where i i'm not gonna lie i checked out for a couple minutes during this scene i, I was with it to begin and then i realized oh, okay like this is gonna go through a very detailed process and the funny thing is that when it's all said and done, it wasn't that in- intricate uh, of a process to begin with, but yet it felt like it was because of just how they stretched it out. Um, but otherwise, I think, in my opinion, other than that sequence, I thought the pacing throughout much of the film was pretty good. I mean, the, you know, this isn't an overly long movie, and it, in my opinion, it does tend to move at a quick pace the thing is though one could even make the argument i believe that for as simple as this story is the movie itself still could have been overall shorter um yeah i i I think on some level if a person were to make that argument i think that would fit Uh, there were a couple other moments where i partially checked out for a moment um there were i think a couple scenes where some of the fellow journalists um were on screen for maybe i don't know a moment or two it wasn't too terribly long but it was just enough to where you're like these people don't matter because they're not going to get involved in any significant way to the plot or or to me they just felt like some of them felt a little bit uninterested in a way when it came to their acting which also sort of maybe kind of took me out of the film a little bit and I also kind of made me pause the movie a couple of times so I can do other things and then unpause it again to play it so so yeah there's there's kind of some things that just took me out of the film a little bit yeah, I mean, again, for, this movie isn't overly long, but there are moments where it feels a bit longer. Um, but yeah, I think, again, um, that's just unfortunate, I, I, I guess. But again, uh, this isn't a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I mean, what do you think of just kind of the the overall story? I mean, we've already, to some small degree, discussed the plot but i mean is this something that you found at least even remotely interesting or what have you when you first kind of went into this well to me at first i thought it was just going to be sort of something along the lines like the creature from the black lagoon like it was just going to be you know maybe a creature or two that they sort of discovered in the sea that um that they stumbled upon and then kind of wreaks havoc maybe in the town or something like that. It was sort of that way at first, but then it just sort of, you know, went into a completely different direction than I expected to, because this is the first time I've uh, seen uh, this movie. And then once it kind of went into this whole uh, underwater uh, base and everything then just sort of kind of took me into this thinking it's like oh it just 
felt like something that you've sort of seen uh, from other shows and uh, other, uh, well, Japanese shows and uh, Japanese films from around that time. Like, as we mentioned, uh, Golden Bat and then uh, the Ultraman series. So, so then when it comes to that point, it just kind of felt like it's just sort of that kind of the rehashed uh, science fiction sort of story that we've seen from from both Japanese shows and films there, but with a different twist and maybe some tweaks to the story slash plot uh, in there and, you know, certain interest, maybe interesting things uh, added it to this film but otherwise kind of the overall thing is just kind of sort of the same thing that we've seen so it's just kind of where i'm just like yeah, okay i mean i've seen things like this before but you know just a little uh things added here and there just to kind of make things maybe interesting and different a little bit Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, for me, I mean, I like it. As we said, it, the the actual story here is really paper thin, and on that level, I'm fine with it. I think sometimes simplicity um, is a fine thing to do. I don't think everything needs to be uberly intricate and like three-layer chess. It, it seems to me anymore like a lot of the current generation of moviegoers and watchers want, you know, this very deep type of, of experience with films. And I think, yeah, that's fine to have every once in a while, but what's wrong with having a simple film every once in a while? Um, as far as what it actually is um, – like I said, I had missed the whole point as far as why this Dr. Moore was uh, uh, performing these experiments. But for what it is, I'm okay with it. It's If I had to rate it on a 10 scale, 10 being like great, I would put it – I probably would be like it's about a 7, 7.5 for me. Like it's good enough. It, it's just ever so slightly above average because I'm having a good enough time with not just it, but everything else around it. Because again, as I've stated a hundred times already about this movie, it's not taking itself seriously. It knows what it is. And I'm fine with that. I, I, I think it's, it's okay. It, it's fine. Uh, you know, as long as you entertain me during most of your runtime, I'm with you. And yeah, I think it's okay. So, uh, what do you think of uh, the miniatures that they had uh, for this film, as well as uh, the set, mainly the uh, the underwater uh, base station there? I love it. Even though they're not the greatest mini miniatures you're ever going to see, I still love it because, again, I am a sucker for a lot of these older Japanese uh, sci-fi films where you got these miniatures again this reminds me of that original ultraman series the miniatures here a lot of times remind me of the miniatures you would see in a lot of those ultraman episodes and 
I, just, I love it. I love it. That Ultraman series is one of my favorite series of all time. And there's something – I know some people don't like it when I say cheese or anyone says cheese, but it kind of is because when you look at it, you know they're miniatures. But that doesn't mean that I disrespect the work. I don't. I am a fan here. I'm on a kaiju-type podcast. If I hated it, why, why would I spend my time being on a podcast hating something? I got better things to do with my time. Um, I do respect and I love this stuff. I do love Eiji Tsuburaya. Does that mean, though, I think all of his work was good? No. And in fact, at times, I have been critical of that. Um, same thing with other special just, effects. Just like uh, the last discussion that we had. <laughs> Yeah, uh, which I hope we never have again. Um, but, <laughs> but again, I just think that I like it. I still think the miniature work is still good. I mean, for what you're wanting to do and probably for the thin budget you had for this film, it's still good. I still think it's good. Does it still look like miniature sets? Yeah. Am I okay with that? Yeah. I'm having a good time here. <laughs> I, I, I enjoy it. Again, I love that original Ultraman series. This movie, almost from beginning to end, reminds me of that series. And I just – I love it. It just – there's a childlike charm to it because, god damn it, you know, the world has been so fucking depressing for a handful of years now. It's like I just want to escape for a while sometimes into some entertainment and just kind of forget everything else exists. And something like this works because I kind of get in touch with that childlike self, and I'm like – yeah, like this doesn't look all that great, but I'm having fun here because this movie or this series even knows that I know it's fake, but it's still fun. I'm enjoying seeing weird creatures or superheroes and kaiju and things blow up and all that, and I love it. Yeah, I, I really do like uh, the miniatures that they use uh, for this as well, and as well as the setting just kind of uh, gives it gives me that uh, nostalgic feeling uh, every time you know with these TV shows and uh, movies uh, from uh, the 50s and 60s and sometimes in the 70s just kind of depends uh, but I really just kind of like how they made things just look simple and just so complicated with uh, like with just so many things that they have on hand and trying to come up with uh, creative new ways with just maybe just simple things maybe lying around or they find at hardware stores or wherever and then they just uh, come up with like these intricate looking uh, control uh, centers for sets and like screens and buildings and what have you i mean it's just i really like how things just just kind of that style and look to them with many of these uh sets from this time period as well as miniatures and it's just interesting just to kind of see how they've done with some of these things and just kind of see them up close and just see the details on some of these things and even like some of the documentaries that you, probably some people have seen you know in the past and just see how they've done things in the past like the underwater sea with like an atomic 
explosion that they film them, you know, upside down and water with food coloring, so on and so forth. It's just very interesting how they, you know, come up with a lot of these things just for sets and props and all that shenanigans. <laughs> well, yeah, and I found too, like, there were some map moments in this movie, like um, when. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Brown and Andrew Hughes in one scene are by the shore um, looking at uh, Jenny and Ken going out into the ocean. And you could clearly tell that the nuclear reactor looking structures were placed in later. I think the hotel or whatever that building was behind them was real, but the nuclear reactor type structures weren't. And then like when – Jenny first encounters a water cyborg. You have some very obvious, horrible match shots of like the water cyborg like popping up, you know, and making it look like it's right there chasing her when it's a separate. Yeah, shot that yeah, I remember later, that so. one. It's like it was sort of you see it pop up, and then they just sort of reran that uh, sequence. There's like wait did i <laughs> what what right. the heck is going on here but uh yes uh, speaking of like map paintings and all that i remember uh when uh andrew hughes sony and uh uh peggy were kind of tied down to those uh chairs and then they uh uh was it more and then a couple of the other scientists come in and the one scientist is just kind of looking up this way and just talking for like a minute or two just without looking at anyone and you can see oh, kind of that yeah. uh kind of the map paintings that were kind of added in between you can definitely tell that they were um map paintings but but also and that uh, work and all that yeah, stuff. yeah but also that uh scene it's just like are you gonna just uh, talk to like the ceiling up there or to the people <laughs> in front of it's, you? It's hilariously corny and bad. But as I was watching that scene, which go interestingly enough goes on quite a, a bit of a long time, and I wonder if the artist who painted that Matt was like, "No, you, I spent a long time painting this. Make sure you have it in the scene to make it worth my while for all the time I spent on it." But it goes on a little bit longer than it should. And I thought to myself, as this scene was occurring, I'm like, what was it? What did it really look like when this actor was filming that scene in that moment? Like, were we seeing studio lights up here? Like, what was it we were actually Or maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe the end of uh, the set and everything. That could be. It could be. It could be one of the things. But then also, uh, when uh, the other scene is that uh, when Sunny Chiba and uh, Piggy Neal were captured and they were in that base for the first time and then they look out uh when they're kind of in this uh enclosed uh cell and the the back part where it had the the window just kind of looking out into uh the sea uh and they heard something and i remember the one shot where they had their backs to the camera and then they were looking out that was all of that was a complete still you can definitely notice that it was a complete still and kind of that whole window was just cut out just to uh, kind of have that uh, uh, the C uh, visual and stuff so it's like it was kind of it, it was a bit odd <laughs> in yeah, a way instead of just doing like a regular it was just it should have been 
like maybe just see them moving a little bit and just have that whole uh, window area there just be like a matte screen or something. Yeah, there are a lot of interesting matte shots in this movie. And again, they're awful, but I still love it. It just... I love it. <laughs> I do. And again, one of the things I want to hit on, and I briefly mentioned this during the synopsis, when the water cyborgs start going crazy at the end and just start killing everybody in their path, the funny thing is that every, just about everybody in this underwater base has access to how many – what are they – I think they're called PPKs, the guns are or whatever they are. Um, I call them the James Bond guns otherwise. But – they're, they're the little pistols that are like that long, and they all, all of them have silencers, and it's either you have one of those pistols or they're using harpoon guns, <laughs> and those are like the only weapons. I'm like, there are no knives. Like, there's nothing else. Like, it's only these little pea shooters with silencers, or you're using a harpoon gun, and you're just impaling people with it it's so funny like the one thing that uh in the surprising thing is like they don't have uzis or (laughs) like uh automatic uh weapons you know m6 or what what have you but uh yeah it was just sort of uh funny that they had these uh yeah i can't remember the specific name of the the gun with silencers attached even though silencers don't actually sound that way in real life but but uh yeah it's it's just sort of uh weird and interesting at the same time that their only their only weapons on that base that they have is just uh you know those uh gun guns with silencer attachments to them and then harpoons you would you would at least expect them to have some kind of uh, automatic weapon like an uzi or n6 or what have you but yeah, I mean, just the limited weaponry is hilarious. And the fact that they're all of the same guns and they all have silencers. And these water cyborg creatures, they get a hold of them and they're using them. And I understand they were formerly like actual human beings. But just the fact that even then, after going under this transformation and sort of being hypnotized to some degree because I don't know what other term to use to being obedient type of, of creatures the fact that they know what this thing is they know where they are and they know how to use it it's just it's hilarious it's just so hilarious they get and, into this gunfight down and it's just so funny with all these silencers and like you said the silencers don't sound like that and part of it is because yeah it's stock sound footage that you get in a lot of these you know sci-fi japanese films but on top of that they're not actually silent they sound like an actual gun it's like what the hell these silencers suck these guns still sound loud (laughs) and and two is like they're like their main goal and plan is to eventually you know obviously take over the world which is every evil bad guys plan and stuff i mean (laughs) you would expect to have better weapons than just these guns with silencers attached to them and harpoons (laughs) yeah it's just one of those um it's just one of those deals where again i think budget definitely um 
you know, plays a, a pretty big role I don't, into it. But. I wouldn't think so. I mean, you know, with with the amount of those guns that they had with silencers on them, I think they could have, you know, replaced those with, like, automatic-style kind of weapons in there instead I mean, of just these guns. But just like, I mean, yeah, you know, maybe yeah. they could have, but I'm, I, you know... As, as kind of the funny saying goes, stay in your lane. So, <laughs> or, yeah, or as I mean, we do it, time out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just, you know, it is what it is. And, and, and again, this is one of those movies, like I said just a little bit ago, you have to know what you're getting yourself into because if you don't – you know, yeah, you definitely are gonna be frustrated, furious, having an awful time, etc., etc., etc. So, um, you know, like I said, it's one of the reasons why I like a movie like this because it is so stupid, but it knows it's stupid. And it still goes along with it. You know, if this were something that was trying to be more self serious, I don't think I could go along with it, and I would be like, "No, your 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 production value is too bad in a lot of places, and your acting, by and large, isn't good enough to to pass the sniff test." Um, you know, I, I I would feel a lot different about this film, but it knows what it is, and I and I and that's probably the tagline for this particular episode is that it knows what it is and so that's know, basically the tagline for everything we've discussed <laughs> not everything no shin godzilla try to be more and it's just kind of like yeah you're terrible <laughs> but anyways um i can't think of anything else unless if there's something that we might have forgotten to touch on or you want to just maybe just uh, go into final thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I can't think of anything else. This is a, a plain Jane sort of plot film that, that there aren't enough intricacies to go. I'm actually surprised we've gone as long as we did <laughs> on this. I mean, we started actually talking about the movie – about 45 minutes ago and that to me is longer than i thought we would spend talking about it so <laughs> uh, for me i kind of thought we would go all the way to you know maybe like an hour and a half into this like the full show but um but yeah for me it's um yeah kind of like you it's just sort of something that you probably have uh, Story-wise, sort of uh, seen in both uh, shows and films from Japan during this uh, time period. It's just kind of, you know, kind of your usual sort of uh, mad scientist trying to take over the world uh, sort of thing. But uh, with some, you know, interesting uh, and uh, unique things added to the story to kind of make it different obviously but uh, overall it's just kind of the, the same here and there it's you know decent okay uh, obviously great uh, here and there uh, decent uh, 
acting, um, but uh, really good uh, sets, uh, miniatures in here. Um, it probably could have been a little bit better and uh, also cut back on some of the scenes like we've discussed on as far as the transitioning from human to water cyborg there but uh, yeah it's your it's your kind of typical uh sci-fi horror uh flip uh from the from this time period here and kind of the usual um thing that you see in japanese shows and films so for me uh when it comes to pass rent or buy for me, I would say this would be a rent uh, that you can probably see uh, from time to time, not kind of like a regular viewing uh, sort of things. Like if you're kind of in the mood to see something, just to kind of you know escape from everyday life, and like that's probably the only thing that you can think of. Is that probably be the best time to watch it. Yeah. Okay, here. My final thoughts here. Oh, no, that's not what I wanted. Go away yes. here. Yes, that is what you want. Okay. <laughs> Terror Beneath the Sea reminds me of the original Ultraman series with the lighting, costume design, and how the movie is shot. The movie is also pretty corn. The movie is also a pretty corny film, but is incredibly entertaining. The water cyborg costumes are ridiculously cheap and flimsy. At times, having been partially ripped and seen some of the actors' skin, the plot is flimsy. We aren't given a reason. Well, that's not true. We just did, so I'll ignore that sentence. Um. Uh. The movie at the same time is so bad that it's good. It is just a fun, silly watch. The dubbing is hilariously fun yet bad. The acting is all over the spectrum, ranging from pretty good to incredibly bad and bad in a sense that's also comical. While not everyone will like the movie, so as a result, I I can't say it's a buy for my rating, but it is most definitely a rent. Nice. Both of us think it's a rent. Yep. And um, I think with that, we can get ready to wrap up the, uh, yep. the episode here. Yep. Yeah, I just wanted to mention uh, one more time that if you uh, haven't subscribed to us yet, and if you see that uh, red subscribe button down below, if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure to hit that subscribe bell. Uh, subscribe button as well as hit that notification bell icon and smash that like button down below and uh, not only we're uh, streaming live on uh, YouTube here but we're also streaming live right on Twitch as well so you got a couple uh, different choices there and we have the audio version of our podcast so you can find us at uh, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio as well as TuneIn and we have uh, both video and uh, audio versions of our shows all archived and you can watch us live over at our own website at daikaiju network.com <laughs>